It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The 2020-21 Premier League season has started. Manchester United return on Saturday with a home match against Crystal Palace. And so the Manchester United Weekly Podcast is back again for a sixth series. Thank you for joining us. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm your host, Terry Robinson. With me, as always, is Jack Tate. In today's show, we'll be previewing the whole season, looking at United's strengths, weaknesses, discussing transfers. There'll be a quick roundup on the latest news surrounding the academy, the low knees and the women's side. And we'll be previewing the Palace match specifically too at the end of the episode. Okay, Jack, we're... Back for another season already. Um, it's it's not been the longest break for players and podcasters alike. Uh, I think to start off with, obviously we're looking at the season as a whole and, and we could, I guess, go through the fixtures, go through the players. But I think uh, perhaps the best way of doing this is, is to go through um, United's strengths first and then to look at our weaknesses and then to talk a bit about transfers and what we expect elsewhere. So we'll start on strength to be positive. Um what what do we think United's strengths are going into the 2020-21 season? We had a, an interesting campaign last time out and I think by the end of it, it was quite hard to uh, remember just how miserable it had been at times in the first half of the season. Uh, Bruno Fernandes came in at the end of January. Uh, United's form changed massively. It took us, I think, 14 or more games to lose after Fernandes signed and things did change a lot. Um, what's, what's the main strength now though? You're right, things did change a lot and we forget just how dire we were in the first half of the season. And to be honest, I, I even forget that a lot of the things that happened back in, what, almost a, a year ago now, September, October, uh, last year were even the same season as, as you know, August and July yeah. of 2020. But it all was, and it, and it does make it quite hard to, I guess, judge the strengths and weaknesses of this United team because we saw two completely different sides to, to our squad. But I think... The, the, to me, there's one completely obvious strength to our squad, and that has to be the forwards. The forward line, at least the starting players, is in my mind quite clearly our biggest strength. You know, Rashford, Martial, Greenwood is as good as any front three anywhere in the league, as they proved towards the end of last season. You know, the, the depth is obviously still a concern, especially because we haven't signed any forwards as we were hoping. But the starting three have so much quality between them 72 goals combined in all competitions. 
And to me, that has to be seen as our top strength going into the new season. Those three are not only our strength for this season, but probably our biggest strength for the future as well. Because yeah. I think Martial is the oldest at, what is he now, 24, 25 yeah, so. maybe? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's not just for this season, but that is to me, clearly our biggest strength going forward as well. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because I, th- I think one of the great things, and I, I can remember saying this in the season review, um, well, less than a month ago, but the great thing about this United team is that in, in contrast to previous seasons where, say, we had a, a old Zlatan Ibrahimovic or um, various players who you, you kind of thought were either at their peak or, or past it, whatever happens with this United team, whether the coaching gets better or not, whether signings are made, it, it should get better anyway because Rashford, Martial and Greenwood are all still improving. Yeah. Um, and they're all players with who, whose ceiling or whose potential is, is bigger than they're currently playing at. And I think that's that's kind of, it's not a safety net, of course. And, and it's it's going to be hard for all three of them to, to improve together. It's going to be hard for all three of them to improve at the, the kind of rate we want them to. But that is a, a nice thing to have because whatever happens, it, it should be the case that United front three is better next season, regardless of whether um, any signings come in. Now, I'd, well, that's, I'd, and that's true for our entire team, really, as well. When you, when you look at our yeah. sort of starting 11, probably the only player you'd say who is unlikely to improve any further because of age is maybe De Gea. You know, everyone, yeah. everyone else, I think Fernandez is probably the oldest in all of that. I think he's 28, 27 everyone else is pretty much 26 or under and it's not necessarily going to say every part one of them is guaranteed to improve but you would think that a good majority of those players will improve significantly from where they are now purely just based on age and and adding experience into the mix and so actually I think another strength that we should probably highlight is our age you know I mentioned before that we had the youngest starting 11 by age last season in the Premier League just ahead of Chelsea And, and that is a big strength because if you manage to finish third with a team with an average age, I think it was around 24. You know, we've got quite a few players around 20, between the ages of, sort of 18 and 22 in our starting lineup. That is a big positive going forward because you would expect a lot of those players yeah. to improve. The, the challenge now is for us to actually make those players improve, which as we've seen in the last few years has not been a given. And we've struggled to make those players that show good potential into the world-class players that they, they could become. But the signs are positive in that regard, and age is definitely on our yeah, side. I, I definitely agree. Um, I, I, I'm, when we move on to the weaknesses, I'm actually going to talk about the attack a bit more. And I saw a really interesting um, preview of United season on Statsbomb, uh, which raised some really interesting points that I kind of hadn't thought about that much before. So I'll talk about them in a second. But in terms of the the strengths of the front three, I think while the, the person I'm most excited about is probably Mason Greenwood. Um, and I, there's more to talk about there as well shortly, but I think it feels most natural to be most excited about Greenwood, but I think Martial's the one that uh, does really excite me because he's he's continually kind of been... It, it's, it's a really weird one with Martial because there's, there's lots of those periods where you think he's not scoring very much or he's not playing well. But if you look back at kind of his goal scoring record, it's just consistently good and it's consistently... Um, better than his expected goals, which I, I probably will bring up a couple of times in in this episode. And and he basically played forty games last season, forty full games. Um, so that's kind of done on how many ninety minutes he plays and scored twenty three goals. He only took one penalty and got nine assists. And if he can stay injury free and have a full season as United centre forward with 
better service because we'll have Bruno Fernandes for the whole season, we'll have Paul Pogba for the whole season, we, we have to hope, then you're looking at someone who's going to get you 30 goals a season. And United haven't had that for, for a long time. And of course, that, that, that goes for the whole front three. So Rashford and Greenwood both got over 20. Uh, sorry, Rashford and Martial both got over 20. Greenwood got um, just under, I think he got 18. That's, it, there's, there's a, a, a real positive um, front line there. And I think Martial's kind of the one that I look at and think, yeah, he'll he'll get us thirty goals more, um, more confidently than I, I do towards Rashford and, and Greenwood. But um, uh, one of the interesting things I saw, uh, not from Statsbomb, but for, from uh, someone else on Twitter, was saying that even though Martial is exciting and, and this is a really exciting season for him, most of his goals are still coming from the left side of the box, which is where. Um, why signing someone like Jaden Sancho would be so good and why perhaps we signed Donny van der Beek as well or Donny van der Beek, I should say. Yeah, I'm very excited to uh, to watch van der Beek come in. I, I'm not I'm not going to lie, I haven't watched a ton of him, but when I have watched him mainly in the Champions League, he's impressed. Then the challenge will be getting him into into that squad. You know, we have now a lot of attacking att- attacking talent. You think of Pogba, Fernandez, Van der Beek himself, Greenwood, Martial, Rashford. I mean, they are six highly, highly talented players. And getting them all on the pitch together is not going to be easy. Yeah. But it's exciting to see what how, what he can do when he comes in. He's a young player. Hopefully, again, someone that can come in and improve. But I think with, with Martial, yeah, you're right. that Hopefully the signing of Van der Beek and also the continued we hope anyway, continue good performances of Pogba, Fernandez, maybe Matic, and then, you know, the other forwards around him can con- contribute to him having a bit better service because really in his Man United career, there hasn't really been a season where he's had consistently great service. You know, the one season where United were a, a decent team, you would say, when we finished second under Mourinho, Martial generally got shifted out wide to accommodate Ibrahimovic. And it was, it was a, you know, he hasn't really had that run in the side where he both yeah, plays yeah. up front and has good service. So this is really the first opportunity he's going to get to have that. And when he did have it in sort of the post-lockdown era of last season, he played very, very well and the signs were really good going forward. It's about whether that is sustainable. You know, that it's it's the one thing that you worry about, I think, with all of these forwards is that they've all shown yeah. really good purple patches throughout their career and it's whether they can sustain that over a whole season, both in terms of outperforming their XG, which I know has been a concern for a lot of these players in various points of their career or whether they are just naturally good finishers that can keep up that level of, of yeah. shot conversion throughout well, the entire season. Well, Martial is one that, whereas, whereas Rashford has definitely had those purple patches and then those um, kind of uh, less good patches, even though he's he's kind of always played well, but he's, he's definitely not always scored. He's had a lot of spells where he hasn't scored. Um Greenwood had a, a fantastic spell, probably two fantastic spells last season, but again, has yet to have a, a sustained period of scoring. And maybe we'll see that next season. I think at some point we will. But Martial, if you, if you look back at his United career, has consistently scored. And that's maybe why he was the one ahead of Rashford chosen to be United centre forward by Solskjaer and Rashford has been kept on the left. Um, but yeah, it's. I think Martial's one I, I have some confidence in, and maybe if you'd asked me six months ago, I I wouldn't have had the the same confidence in him. So it's it's an interesting one. Um, I do. I, I I'm looking at uh looking at our notes here, and we're going to move on to weaknesses. Um, in kind of a 
a nice way because I've got down here as one of our strengths, our defence. And I can I can see that Jack's got down as one of his um, weaknesses, the defence. So um, it's an interesting one. But if so, look, I, I'm not going. I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to lie. You watch United's defence and you think this is worrying. There's there's a there's a big concern here. And you watch a lot of United's clean sheets and think, how did that happen? But on the other hand, for a season now. United have had a good defence, one of the the kind of most reliable defences in Europe, even if it hasn't seemed like it when we're watching them. Um, and if 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 you look at the stats, and this is coming from the stats bomb piece um, that I that I read, so expected goals can tell us two things: uh, it can tell us how many we're expected to score, but it can also tell us how many we're expected to concede. Um, so our expected goals against is around. 0.9 per game, which is similar to City and Liverpool, the, the teams we should be competing with. So the number of goals we expect to concede is around the top of the league, whereas the expected goals for us to score is about 1.3 a game, which is only similar to Southampton and Everton, not the teams we should be competing with. So if, if you take that angle, then the the area we need to progress in is the attack, not the defence, even though it seems like the defence is unreliable and the attack is really exciting. Um, and I read that and thought... That does make sense, actually, because if you look at kind of where where we lost games last season, or in fact, where we lost points, really, you go back to the first half of the season, we, withdrew, we drew with Wolves, we lost to Palace, uh, we drew to Southampton, Rochdale, Arsenal, Aiden Alkmaar, Aston Villa, Everton, we lost against West Ham, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Astana, Watford. And in all of those games, we created a, a load of chances and didn't finish them. And in all of those games, we didn't concede Apart from a couple of them, we didn't concede more than one. And I think that shows you that even though the attack is the more exciting bit, that the defence is what we can rely upon and the attack's where we have to improve. There's no doubt that the United's defence has improved a lot and, and the, the goals conceded from last season show that. You know, I think we were, was it second only to, were we behind Liverpool and City or just Liverpool? I can't remember. But we were very close behind. I think we were behind both of them, but very close behind, you know, massive improvement from the season before. And, and I, I take all of that, and I recognise that as a, as a as a strength that we did improve, but to me the defence just it just doesn't pass the eye test. And maybe this is because I'm a defender in real life, and maybe I just focus a bit too much on that. Maybe, and I want it to almost be too perfect. Because at the end of the day, obviously conceding the goals is is the most important thing. But watching our defence fills me with no confidence yeah. at all. I, I agree. So many times last season, you just see. You see a team play sort of fast football against us and we we just cannot cope with it at all. And I think maybe the problem is also that we just don't seem to have a good defensive setup against teams. You know, when they when we're against a counter-attacking team, we cannot deal with it because we just don't have the pace in defence at all. The depth isn't isn't that great. The fullback depth isn't terrible, but at centre-back, it's not great. You know, we've got Twan Zabi, who, who I like and is good, but struggles to stay fit. And then beyond that, you're looking at sort of Phil Jones, Chris Morland looks like he's on his way out to Roma, so probably not him anymore. But then you're, you're sort of struggling after that to to find any depth, which is also a problem in, in attack, which I which is fair enough. But I, I at least want to see more from this United defence because I am not convinced that the sort of improvements that we saw last season are, are given to happen again well, this season. And I, and I guess I, that's probably... No, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. It, it doesn't pass the eye test and um, I, it does, at, a lot of the time, you, you think this isn't a team that you trust the defence of. 
But you look if we cast our minds back to all the all the frustrating times we had last season, it, it there, there were a lot of things to pick out of that defence where we came back to goals that we conceded and said this was wrong, this was wrong, this was wrong, and there, there's no getting past that. The defence needs to improve. But the the areas where we lost our points were not by conceding one goal in a certain game. It was by not finishing our chances. And those games I, I, I listed before, I think there were probably eight or nine there. We we missed 26 big chances there, according to the, the stats, which are kind of quite harsh in terms of what they consider to be a big chance. So that it, it, it does feel, it feels counterintuitive because I remember coming on here so many times last season and picking out a goal that we conceded and saying this was wrong. And, and uh, I'm not pretending that's not happened. And I also have come on many times and spoken about how excited I am about the front three. And I agree, but statistically, and I think I think the, the feeling as well is that we drop points because we miss chances, not because the defence was bad. And so... Yeah, I agree we need more depth in, in defence and um, I'm not convinced that Lindelof is is the partner for Maguire. I'm not even convinced that Maguire is is the right man to, to lead United's defence, even though he definitely is for the, the next couple of seasons. But they did do a good job last season when you look at the whole thing, not just particular mistakes. Yeah, and, and to be to be fair, there there is, and I recognise this completely, that there is definitely an element of recency bias in what I'm saying because, you know, the... The strength in the sort of post-lockdown era of last season was the attack, and there were quite a few games where defensively we were pretty poor. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm especially thinking of Bergwijn's goal at Spurs. You think, yeah, of the, yeah, yeah. I mean, just disastrous FA the Cup, Cup semi-final. semi-final. Yeah, yeah, mistakes against Sevilla and the Europa League semi-final. So there definitely is an element of recency bias in that, and I and I accept that. To me, I, I guess I just want to see more because I think you, you are right in that the, the the problem in a lot of those games early on in the season when we were losing on drawing games to teams we had no business losing and drawing against. Of course, it is that you know defend the sorry in, in attack we weren't taking our chances, but there is also an element of and again this is probably me having maybe very high standards because this this is just the ideal, but. But there is also an argument that against sort of the bottom half clubs in the Premier League, you shouldn't really be giving them any good chances to our game. And I know that's unrealistic to say, but it that is what the what the aim has to be, that you have to get be good enough defensively to cope with any attack that comes comes to you. And really it should be the goal that in any game against in the one in the in the bottom half, you don't concede a goal. Again, I, I know that that's unrealistic yeah. and that won't happen, but the idea is, sure, we can still lose games nil-nil, but you don't concede. You just need one of those chances to go in. We de- we actually didn't lose that many or draw that many games nil-nil in the first half of the season off the top of my head. Most of them were one-all or losing one-nil or two-one. So yeah, we, the defence wasn't, you know, it wasn't doing terribly. It's not like we were conceding three or four goals against sort of West Ham, Brighton, teams like that. But we also weren't keeping clean sheets against that many of those teams. Yeah, yeah. And that, that that's a very fair point. If... Say if United hadn't conceded to Palace, to Newcastle, to West Ham, to Southampton, yeah, then Rochdale. then we would have won those games because we scored one goal in all of them, I think. So yeah, if, I mean it's fair enough. But um, I did have my my mind turned by by the stats that stats bomb showed, and it, there was also a really uh, a really interesting other point in 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 the article, which is something I kind of I've. 
I think we definitely noticed when um, Bruno Fernandes kind of had a, a week into the season after, say, the Norwich Cup quarter final when he played the 120 minutes and looked pretty poor, did help United score. Um, but from that point onwards, he had he had moments, definitely, and he was still contributing, but he looked worse than he had done. And I think in those games, we saw the the lack of creativity elsewhere in the team. And that's, I, th- I think it's worth breaking that down because clearly United's attack is a massive strength and Martial, Rashford and Greenwood are really exciting. Fernandes and Pogba are both really exciting. Donny van der Beek is exciting. But too many of our forwards are finishers, if if you like. Um, so, of course, they're all forwards, but Martial, Rashford and Greenwood are, are finishers or, or shooters, whereas Fernandes and Pogba are either long-range shooters, but more importantly, they are the creators of the team. Uh, and Pogba's got the defensive responsibilities as well, which which brings its own problems. So when you've only got kind of Fernandez, who's who is the only person in the team whose only job is to create, um, there's definitely kind of a kind of a misbalance between the number of people who are there to finish and to score goals and the number of people there to create. Because when Fernandez is having a poor game, then it's all on Pogba. And Pogba's also got to be aware that he is needed defensively. And so United can't always make a lot of chances. Now, Van der Beek could be an interesting one, but having read quite a lot about him in, in, in the last couple of weeks, his main quality is scoring goals and getting into the box and making those runs. And that's brilliant. And I think one of the really interesting things could be seeing him kind of combine with Martial either on the edge of the box or inside the box, whether it's going to be Van der Beek or Martial scoring. Um, but th- this is basically the reason why we could do with a right winger like Jaden Sancho, who can score, obviously, but who can stay wide and create. Because um, Greenwood is, is great, but he's a scorer. He's not a creator. Rashford is great. He's kind of become more of a creator recently but he remains a scorer. Martial is, is quite obviously a, a, a scorer of goals. Um, that's definitely his focus for now. So I think that's a, that's, that's an interesting one to to think about that I kind of, it kind of put into words what I think we were both talking about at the end of last season when Fernandes was playing poorly and there wasn't anyone else to create. So there's definitely kind of a misbalance in that United attack, even though it, it is really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of the players in our attack are quite similar profiles. And the, which can, can be a positive in that it makes it easier to kind of slide players around because they can slot in when sort of someone's injured. But it, it can be a problem. We did see that, you know, in games like Crystal Palace, Southampton, towards the end of last season, West Ham at home, where when Fernandez isn't playing well, we do struggle to create. And as good as Pogba is, it's it's hard to fully dictate a game from when he when he's playing that deep. But I still do think that is his best position rather than, than playing a bit further forward in that Fernandez role. It will be tough for us to, to kind of figure out how to, how to balance that because you don't want to stop the growth of any one of those front three. But it, you also have to fight, find a way of creating enough chances for them without... So we, we, we almost want all of them to be the ones finishing the chances and just sort of say, well, someone else can have the burden of creating for them or they can try and create themselves. And it's, it's difficult. The reason why those kind of players, I guess Kevin De Bruyne would, would be like the example who are extremely creative and amazing finishers they're, they're they're not easy to come by and it that is our challenge i think to either develop probably you'd say rashford or greenwood develop the creative side of their game to make them providers a bit more than they are now or somehow figure out a way to get a bit more consistent creativity from the midfield it and a, and a lot of that rests on the shoulders of bruno fernandez because as we both know the, the depth 
across the board and especially in sort of creative midfield is not great. Yeah. Although hopefully Van der Beek will will help with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Van der Beek. I've, uh, as I say, it's kind of been, he definitely isn't one of those players that I've watched a lot because um, I don't watch Dutch football and I only occasionally watch Ajax in the Champions League. Um, of course, he, he played against us in the Europa League um, and he had... He was part of the the team that had those famous wins at, at, at Bernabeu and, and and in their great Champions League run. So I'd seen him then, but I hadn't seen him much. But I've been listening to Ajax people talk about him or, or reading what they've said um, a lot. And it, it, he, he seems like an exciting player. Um, and where he fits into starting level, as you say, it's, it's, it's not obvious yet, is it? Um, can we have a team with him, Bruno Pogba, Rashford, Marshall and Greenwood? It, it seems <laughs> unlikely. Um, that that's actually a theme we we're going to discuss that later this month as a as a bonus episode for our patrons. Um, if if you do want to sign up for that, go to Patreon. That's p a t r e o n dot com forward slash man utd weekly pod, or just go to our Twitter at utd weekly pod. That's p o d at the end, and you'll find a link there. But Van der Beek will definitely be fun, and you know you know when you watch Martial on the edge of the box, and he's kind of he either runs in himself or he looks for that little one two. Um, just on the edge of the box and then he makes the run. It seems to me like Van der Beek will kind of be the perfect player to to do that with. Um, and I think it's it's interesting because you, you could have him, uh, Bruno, and not really Pobba, but perhaps one of Van der Beek or Bruno play kind of in that right midfield role. Um, and it's certainly not a, a winger, but they, they could have a, a good impact in, in, in that kind of a role, kind of playing off Martial, if you like. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think United's attack is, is certainly going to be fun next season, but it definitely needs some more creativity in, into it. And Sancho would obviously be a great signing, but I'm, I'm not confident that that will happen. Yeah, at this point, I think the, the ship has sailed, at least for this summer, on, on Jane and Sancho. I really don't think, I'm at least not banking on that being the case. I would be very, very pleasantly surprised, but surprised nonetheless if... Uh, if he ends up being a United player before the end of this transfer window. But it is refreshing, at least, I guess, to see that we do have options going forward because so often we've been so so bad going forward in the last few years, especially under Mourinho. You know, it is a, yeah. it is a good problem to have. It, the problem is just that, you know, how do you get everyone in, in those teams, as we said, because the prospect of having, you know, that really exciting front six of Van der Beek, Fernandez, Pogba, Martial, Rashford, Greenwood... Fills me with excitement, but also yeah. fills me with dread about what could happen going the other way because we'd have no holding midfielder there and, and really expose our defence. So we'll see what happens. I don't expect Van der Beek to be a starter every week, but the, the 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 good thing is that it offers us some depth. You know, we've constantly chatted on this podcast and constantly banged on about how bad our depth is and how much we needed to rest Fernandez at the end of last season, and this allows us to do it and not have to play the likes of Lingard or Pereira in that role, we have hopefully someone who will come in and be a much better option for yeah, us. I think you can say United have had a good summer if we get to halfway through the season and Fernandez, Pogba, Matic, Martial, none of them have played every game of the season. And I think if if that yeah. if if they've all played every game of the season and you know that United haven't had a good transfer window. Um but I think yeah, I think the the, the great positive about this team is is A it's fun to watch United most of the time. B, you've got kind of, I, I, I just love Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, C, I, I basically like all of the players, which hasn't been the case in, in the last few years. And D, um, don't normally get to this many letters, but we have a, a starting eleven that basically kind of picks itself. And, and that hasn't been the case at yeah. any point 
since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. And to be honest, wasn't the case for the last few years of the Fergie era either. No, um, not at all. We're going to move on to some quick ones, uh, just saying what can we expect from certain areas or people in the team? Firstly, Mason Greenwood, Jack, what are you expecting from uh, from him over the next season? I think he'll struggle more than he did this season. There, there is always an element of regression to the mean from young players, especially after they have sort of a, a great breakout period. It happens with almost everyone and I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I mean, I, I don't know the, the stats off the top of my head, but I know he massively outperformed his expected goals last season. So that is just one area where, you know, he, he's a great finisher, but he was exceeding his XG by, you know, a, just a, a ridiculous magnitude that will inevitably come down towards where it should be. But I think, I, I mean, I expect him to to develop sort of areas of his game that maybe haven't been challenged quite so much in this first sort of few months stint in the team. I, I think he'll need to get better with, in general play. You know, we're, we're going, to, going to be playing a lot of deep blocks. And as, as we just said, we can't have three players who are all sort of finishers. We need him to develop the creative side of his game a little bit, which he has shown in the academy that he has the ability to do. He just hasn't really been in that role very much in the first team yet. So I think that's what I would expect from him. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the first couple of months of the season, he struggles a little bit, um, just as as teams kind of figuring out figure him out a little and uh, there is just always an element of regression to the mean. You, I mean, unless we literally have like the next Messi on our hands, yeah. which I don't think we do, then yeah, he is going to come down a little bit off the highs of the end of last season. But I still expect us to be able to look back at the end of the season and be able to see a significant amount of improvement from him. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, if you want to hear more about Mason Greenwood, uh, the making of Mason Greenwood, our special on him, is available on wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's available there. came out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I do think it, there'll certainly be a bit of a regression to the meet, but he's a, he's a great talent. And in a similar way to Rashford, um, who, who had a, a great start to his United career, kind of a blistering couple of weeks, a couple of months really, where he scored in on his debut in, in every competition for every team and just was a absolutely magnificent man and, and remains a, an absolutely brilliant man. Um, every week he just gets better and better. Um, I mean, that's what we can expect next season is, is hopefully uh, Rashford can have a, a kind of a more consistent scoring record um, and get back to, to his very best that he was for the first half of last season when he was kind of carrying United. Um, penalties, Jack. <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting one. Uh, we, had, we had a lot of them last season. You'd expect there to be slightly fewer. On the other hand, Van der Beek, I'm told, won more penalties in his time in the Ajax team than any other player. Um, so not only did we get lots of penalties last season, but we are bringing in a player Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has focused his, his sights on even more penalties next season and perhaps we'll get even more than last season. I think our penalty count was every non-United fan's favourite subject by the end of the season. <laughs> being tracked very closely every week by everyone. I mean, again, there, there will be a regression to the mean, but I do think that there is something in our style of play that does make us slightly more prone to getting penalties. We have, in our forwards, especially in Martial, Pogba, two players who enjoy sort of very close dribbling in the box which is prone to making defenders dive in and concede penalties we also are a team who tends to spend a good portion of you'd say at least half of our games every season with the opposition sort of camped on their own box and and trying to just sort of stem the tide which already which already kind of sounds you know makes it more likely that we're going to get a penalty if you if you spend 70 minutes of a game in the opposition's half and say 
20% of the game in their box rather than 5% of the game in their box, your chance of getting a penalty are going to go up. So I do think there is just some sort of natural reasons that United got more penalties last season was still an outlier. But, you know, I think it will regress a little bit. Um, but I would, I'd still expect us to get at least sort of seven or eight throughout the season. Not, what was it? We had 15 in all competitions or something last season. I mean, that is, that is ridiculous. I mean, we had, I think Fernandez alone scored seven since he arrived since January. And he, and I think Rashford also took and scored one. So, I mean, eight just post lockdown was, was crazy. Yeah, I, I, I really hope we get almost the same or perhaps more than last season. That would be a, a brilliant achievement for, for the club. Um, the defence, are you expecting to be convinced by the end of the season or not? Um, I, I honestly don't know. I would I would expect improvement from Wan-Bissaka a lot, which isn't really defensively, more so in, in attack. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the, the one thing that I'm slightly worried about, which we haven't really talked about that much, is, is the goalkeeper situation. That's true, actually, yeah. Um, because obviously Dean Henderson has now pretty much guaranteed um, to be back at United this season. It's still yet to be seen who starts our first Premier League game, although I expect it to be David De Gea. But I mean, I, I don't think the goalkeeping position is a, is a problem in that, you know, I think regardless of who we play, we have a very good goalkeeper in either De Gea or Henderson. Yeah. But it does. It, it is a little unsettling as a defender not to have a continuous goalkeeper behind you it, it's strange and, and it's not nice you know having to get used to someone new it's not nice having to you know potentially play in one competition on Saturday with De Gea and then another on on Wednesday with, with Dean Henderson and I wonder if what that might do and I hope that whenever we settle on sort of one goalkeeper we need I think we need to do it early on in the season yeah I guess from, from the defense itself I think my biggest thing is I would want to see some improvement, assuming that we don't sign anyone, which it doesn't look likely at this point. I want to see some improvement in the partnership between Maguire and Lindelof. I think that individually they're both fine. They're not world-class, but they're not bad defenders at all. The problem has been their partnership, and that's what I want to see improve. I would hope that with just you know just naturally over time and more trading, more time playing together, that would improve. Yeah. If it doesn't, I think that's a pretty strong indictment of both the two of them and also the coaching staff that we haven't managed to improve that because it's now been, you know, a, a full season together, albeit a very strange season. So I think I'd want to see sort of from now until Christmas a big yeah. improvement in their partnership together. Yeah, yeah agreed. Um, right, we're going to move on to our youth road and women's roundup and then we'll preview the Crystal Palace game. Marcus Rashford, oh, glorious! That is a special one. Get Manchester United's under-23s opened their season with an impressive 6-0 win against Salford City in the EFL Trophy. It's a great start to their campaign in the competition. Goals came from Hannibal Medfrey, Arnold Puigmal, two from Mark Helm and one each from Charlie McCann and Anthony Alanga. Unfortunately, Ethan Laird went off with a hamstring injury, but it seems to not be too serious and he could feature this week in the Monday evening game against Leicester City under-23s. The club are looking at the possibility of a loan move for Laird to 
to a championship club. Anthony Langer scored, as I said, and played well. I've got a piece looking at him in the latest issue of United We Stand. You can order copies now. Just go to UWS Mag on Twitter or Andy Mitten for details. I spoke to Langer's old coaches. Um, I'm going to release that interview actually for our patrons in a couple of weeks. So if you want to hear that, then go and sign up to our Patreon page. Um, United have signed Charlie McNeil from City. The 17-year-old striker is a United fan and has a brilliant scoring record for City. That move will be confirmed in the next couple of weeks, apparently. He left United for City back in 2013 and had offers from Juventus, among many others, but wanted to come back to United, the team he supports and was at as a boy. We've also signed Alejandro Garnacho, a 16-year-old forward from Atletico Madrid. But in terms of departures, Deji Satono has left the club despite being offered a new deal. He wanted first-team football and higher wages and the 17-year-old is now looking for a new club um so some quick loan updates Mate Kovars joined Swindon Town on his league debut who was denied a clean sheet after a 93rd minute goal uh, but Swindon still won it was just a consolation and he's impressed with his distribution so far midfielder Dylan Levitt has joined Charlton Athletic and made his Wales debut last week and goalkeeper Joel Pereira has joined Huddersfield Town both were unused subs this weekend as we told you a few weeks ago Teeth Jong has joined Werder Bremen on loan he's been really impressive so far and has settled very well and as we're recording this he's starting on the bench in their DFB Pokal fixture. United's women drew 1-1 in their opening fixture of the WSL season last weekend. They play Birmingham on Sunday after we record this. Uh, it was a really good result, that 1-1 against Chelsea for Casey Stoney's team. I did a post-match episode in, in kind of more detail about the game, about it for our patrons. I was at the game reporting for Vavil. So I won't speak too much about it again, but the team looks really exciting. There's been a couple of really good signings, especially in the last week or so. Uh, Tobin Heath and Kristen Press, two World Cup winners with the USA uh, in their 30s, but very good players. Um, and it's a, kind of a, a statement for Manchester United and really impressed with Ona Batje, uh, the Catalan fullback signed from Levante uh, in the summer. Uh, only 19, I think maybe 20 now, but uh, a, a really good game from her against Chelsea. Um, and yeah, really good result and, and an exciting team so far. So that should be uh, interesting to watch things develop over the next couple of months. Right, Jack, Crystal Palace on Saturday. Uh, the Premier League season starting again, as we've been we've been talking about. Uh, but we've kind of been looking at generally United as a whole. But um, the the Premier League's back. Talk specifically about Crystal Palace. I've just watched them beat um, Southampton two 0 We're recording this on Saturday evening. Um, they were decent. Um, they've signed a Berezi from QPR, who I think is a, a really exciting player. Who I, I watched quite a lot of QPR for. For I mean, long story why I was watching a lot of QPR, but I, I watched a lot of a Berezi. Really exciting player. He, he came off the bench for Palace, um, almost helped them to to get another goal, and, and Zaha scored uh, their first against Southampton, and and is always a, a threat to United. It's a it's a home game. Uh, it's not against one of the best teams in the league to start the season. Uh, last season, it was against Chelsea at home. This time, Palace at home. Um, but it's 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 not an an easy game, um, and there's there's no doubt about that. And because they've had a kind of they've they've already started their league season, they had a longer rest than United as well. Then there there might well be some some problems for United. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be particularly easy at all. We we don't tend to play well against Crystal Palace. I think we only got to one point off them in two games last season. Um, I think we've, we've also just, we're yeah. recording this on Saturday afternoon and despite the fact that MUTV isn't airing the game until 10 tonight, I think we've, we also lost our friendly to Aston Villa today, 1-0. Yeah, but... Which, you know, is, I, is a friendly, but it is just a, a little bit worrying. I think I, it was a... It was a it was a second string team from what I I have been hearing. I think it was. Yeah. I think the only players you would expect to start who played 
uh, were Lindelof, Shaw and De Gea, I believe. And then I think the front three was something like Mata, Pereira, Gallo. So, uh, and Lingard as well. So, I, 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 yeah, it doesn't concern me too much. Basically, a warm Yeah, up, pretty much. It? Although, it, I mean, it does look like maybe one of Mata, Pereira, Lingard might have to start as... There's summer as Fernandez may have to quarantine because yeah. he's at the his wife is uh, giving birth and he he may have to quarantine when he comes back to the UK. But that that's all for next week. But I mean the Palace game is going to be tough. I would I expect us to win obviously in a game like this, but we never seem to play well against Palace and, and Zaha is always always a big threat. I still have nightmares about the um the, the first sort of 50, 60 minutes in that the game we ended up winning at Selhurst three two under Mourinho of just how. Palace kind of terrorised yeah. us in that and Zaha was was at the forefront. Yeah. Um, prediction for the game? I have to say I'm not that confident. Um, I think the last couple of weeks I've become slowly, slowly less and less confident about the entire season, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go for a rather pessimistic one-all draw. Interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to go for a United win. I haven't decided... Uh... On, on quite how many goals yet. Uh, I'll, I'll go for 2-1 United, but uncomfortable. Um, I, I guess the prediction for the the game itself isn't that interesting, but prediction for the season, because we, we've got a couple of questions from patrons that we're going to ask in the, the bonus Q&A for patrons after the show. But for for just to, to close off, it's, a, it's an interesting season because there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to be frustrated about, I think, in terms of transfers. But yeah, there's, there's also kind of the, the weird feeling that this isn't real football. And and certainly for me, having expected to, uh, having just bought a season ticket and expecting to be going to this Palace game as kind of the first game of the season would have been exciting. It, it always is. And it, there's a, I think there's a lot of conflicting emotions going into this season. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy football's already back. And it is great to watch from the sofa, but it's whether you're watching at the ground or you're watching at TV in normal times, fans are the the key part of of the game and and it it definitely will feel different but in terms of your predictions for the season as a whole where will United finish and will we win a trophy well like I said I've I've slowly been getting less and less confident to be honest I think if you take me back to the end of the end of last season which is was only about three three or four weeks ago I was pretty optimistic you know it it looked like we were made we'd made a lot of progress there was some hope that you know this transfer window might bring two or three sort of very good new players in. I don't know. It's just, I think part, part of me, part of the reason I think is just because becoming infinitely jealous of, of what Chelsea have done in the transfer window. Um, Cause they've made some very, very good signings that worries me considering how close we already were with them last season and how much they, at least on paper have seemed to improve. But there is also just an element of complete unknown. We have no idea how teams are going to react from having this shorter break you know, whether, yeah. you know, you could also make the argument, and I know this is the case in, in a lot of other sports, that sort of actually having more of a status quo could actually help in some ways in that, sure, we haven't, don't seem to have got that much better over the summer in terms of transfers, but with them also gives us a lot less work to have to do on the training ground and maybe we won't suffer as much from not having a full pre-season as, say, Chelsea might, who look like they may have five or six of their first 11 being new That's players. True, yeah. So it it is just hard to know. I think I would be very surprised if United finish third again, to be honest. I think Chelsea probably will leapfrog us eventually. And so then it comes down to sort of whether we get fourth. Unfortunately, I don't don't see us making, I guess I should have said this first, I don't see us making any 
substantial leap up to Man City and Liverpool. Yeah, I, I think we'll imp- I think we'll improve on our points total from last season, but I also think our rivals will too, and that's kind of where I'm 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 wavering on where we're going to finish. I'll be a little yeah. more optimistic and say fourth behind City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, and just ahead of Arsenal. Yeah. It's a, it's a funny time of the year because you always get people sending out their kind of table predictions with the whole table, which is ridiculous because yeah. it, it's impossible to guess. Um, but it's, it's always funny because you see people and you think, how can they, how can they possibly think that? Um, I saw one that had United winning the league yeah. on, on someone's and you just thought, really? Um, but I mean, well, we'll see. Um, maybe, maybe they're... I mean, I've seen, I've seen United as... For put in the range of second to seventh on these, which I think is quite indicative of just no one really has any clue how it's yeah. how it's going to end yeah. up. I, th- I think United will finish fourth, um, and a trophy is I think a must. Um, but again, there's a lot of different factors. We're we're in the Champions League now. That makes the job in the Premier League harder. That makes the job in the cups harder. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot to. To, to consider but I think fourth place for United um, is coming this season is that exciting not hugely but another season of yeah. good progress would be much appreciated another season of stability actually would be much appreciated yeah and, and to be honest I think what did we end up on last season 66 points yeah. I think honestly if we if we finish fourth but with say 75 to 80 points mate. That's, that's quite a lot to finish for let's say around like 75 points I wouldn't be too unhappy with that to be honest because I'm expecting you know the top four race last season was historically poor in terms of the number of points you needed to get into the top yeah. four and so if if we can improve our points total by sort of eight to ten points and still stay in the top four I'd consider that a, a, a decent season for progress towards you know eventually becoming title challengers yeah yeah, agreed. And I, I look, I look, I look at Chelsea signings and think, all right, great. They've they've spent a huge amount of money. They've signed some really exciting players. Werner, Havertz, Ziyech are, are all good signings, particularly Ziyech because it, it was cheap. Um, but Werner and Havertz are both yeah. brilliant players and were so good, uh, both in terms of what they did, how many goals they scored, what they did, but also just in terms of watching the Bundesliga. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm jealous of that. On the other hand, the stability is nice and I think Chelsea needed to spend that money. I think United need to spend some money, but I don't think we needed so quite so many players all in one summer. Um it's yeah, it's And an we also one. don't I think as we as we discussed before, I think we discussed this in the semi final of the FA Cup that Chelsea, I think, to improve needed to spend a lot because their main issue was just that they needed more quality in their starting eleven. Whereas I think for us to improve we could conceivably stick with our starting eleven from last season and just spend money on less money on getting sort of players to rotate, and so we don't necessarily yeah. have to spend quite as much to improve. But we haven't even done that, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Van der Beek's a good signing, which is the issue. two more are two more at least are needed. Um, yeah. Two, two more at least would be nice. Um, right, we're going to wrap things up there. Thank you very much for listening. Um, if you're enjoying the show and you want to support the show and you want more from us, you can do so. Go to patreon.com forward slash ManUTD. That's Man United. Weekly pod P-O-D. Or go to our Twitter at UTD weekly pod P-O-D at the end there and you can find out more information. And basically it's a place where you can give us 
kind of 50p a week-ish. And in return, you get bonus episodes, you get bonus Q&As, which we're about to do for our patrons um, and loads of other stuff as well. Um, but thank you very much for listening. If you're also enjoying the show but don't want to spend any money, which is perfectly fair, um, just leave us a review on iTunes if you can or, or share it with your mates. Uh, for more from us throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 And as I say, the podcast is at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Enjoy the return of Manchester United. Goodbye. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.